listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We are in uh, summer at Freedom, and I love this because, like you said, you get, it's like, you just, (laughs) hands free, that's what we are. You're good, you're good, it's all good. Ain't no worries. I like try to share Facebook and uh, share the service, and most of the time I forget to turn down the volume, so it's like Pastor Jason delayed. So anyway. So today, uh, I want to talk about something that I've actually been talking about all year, and so I'm hoping it will continue this process. So from the beginning of 2023, I have been preaching breakthrough, preaching on breakthrough. And I said that for some of you, breakthrough would happen suddenly. Can I have a couple of tissues, please? Breakthrough would happen suddenly, but for others, it will be a continual breakthrough. So here's what happens when it's a continual breakthrough. Continual breakthroughs make us feel like we have no traction. Continual breakthrough is a little step and a little step and a little step, and we feel like we're not going anywhere. And so, but what happens in that continual breakthrough is that a lot of times we feel the enemy makes us feel like we're not gaining any ground. So we just say something like, what's the use? Nothing has changed. Right? So we give up. And when we give up, we don't realize that we have come such a long way. So when we say, I'm just going to stop, I'm just going to go back to doing the things that I was doing, we turn around and don't realize how far back we have to go to get to where we started. And then when we realize we're back where we started, it's almost too late sometimes. Sometimes, not all the time. So that, that breakthrough, do not be discouraged by your breakthrough because your breakthrough... Tammy is not going to look like my breakthrough. Your breakthrough, young ones, is not going to look like my breakthrough because I might be just a little bit older, but not much. (laughs) Greg, your breakthrough is not going to be my breakthrough. So why do I compare my breakthrough with your breakthrough? Well, God, look what you did for him. Why didn't you do that for me? Well, I didn't do that for you because you don't go fishing. Okay, my bad. You don't, play, you don't play golf. Breakthrough. So Pastor Jason just finished a sermon series called The Awe of God. Wasn't that a great series? So in that awe of God, yes, he taught us about holy fear, about the trembling at his word, about intimacy with God, and about the byproducts of fear. Then Pastor Tony came in, and he set us up by drawing a line in the sand about setting healthy, godly boundaries, right? That was good. So all these sermons are designed to draw you closer to God. So this morning we are continuing that journey, but from a different perspective. It's from the perspective of life. Life is in this box. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take you through parts of my life. This is my life. It may not be yours, but it might be yours. So I just want you to be open, to be receptive, because you don't know what's in my life of box, my box of life. Could be chocolates. 
Jesus, we pray, when I get down to the bottom, let there be a chocolate. So it's the box of life. We all have a box of life. All these sermons are designed to draw you closer to God. Life has a way of throwing punches that can either knock us to our knees or knock you flat on your back. Then when we try to get up, we act like nothing ever happened and we pray that no one sees the injuries that were caused by the fall, by the attack, or by our own self-inflicted damage. We continue to walk through life with a smile on our face, not realizing that before we can truly stand and stand strong, we must let go of things that are weighing us down. I would dare say that most of us, if not all, carry around the damage and the hurts that have happened through our whole life. These hurts have become anchors in our souls, and we don't even realize it, so we hide them. We just put on a mask and keep dredging forward. And with each passing year, the masks become part of our daily rituals, like putting on our clothes every morning. We look in the mirror and make sure that we're wearing the right masks. And we say, when we take a really good hard look, who am I? I don't even know who I am anymore. Life has just knocked me down too many times. I just don't know who I am. Because these hurts and the fact that we've carried them for so long, have we become a quick change artist as we switch from mask to mask to meet whatever situation there is. I dare say that we have become filtered Christians. We quote, we quote scriptures like, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am more than an overconqueror. But we don't live in the fullness of them because we're hiding behind the mask of life as we've allowed the devil to speak into our ears and we have believed him over the word of God. Wow. So this morning, I'm asking you to remove your masks. I'm asking you to ask the Lord to help you to be honest and transparent as we lay all of our falsities at the foot of the cross so you can truly know the Father's love and that you can see your potential as you walk in the calling in which you were called. Hebrews 12 and 1. This is, I could preach a whole sermon just on this scripture right here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with patience with perseverance the race that is marked before us so the king james says let us throw off every weight throw every weight matthew henry breaks this down for us and that every weight that is all inordinate affection and concern for the body and, the pre and this present life in the world. Inordinate care for the present life or the fondness of it is a dead weight on the soul that pulls it down when it should ascend upwards and pulls it back whenever it should press forward. It makes duty and difficulties harder and heavier than they would be. Every weight. So this morning we're going to lay aside all external and internal hindrances so when life happens we have this thing it's called a coping skill y'all know what coping skills are y'all want to know my definition of a coping skill it's an excuse 
It's an excuse of dealing, of not dealing with the situation head on. Well, that's just what I got to do when I'm around this person. I've just, I just got to cope with him for a little while. Why not deal with the issue? Let's deal with the issue. If you deal with the issue, you can quit coping. Y'all, that's, that's one of my soapbox things. I hate the word coping mechanisms because they're just an excuse. They're, to me, it's just, I've just got to do this to numb myself for a while till I can get past this difficulty in life, and then I'm okay again. Some people use, okay, we'll do the typical. Some people use drugs. Some people do alcohol, numbing while we get through life. Some people choose to disconnect emotionally. We just disconnect relationally. Why don't you just deal with the situation and let it be what it is? We have a hard time. Life happens, and we learn to put on our first mask. And our first mask is the mask of fear. We put on a mask of fear. This mask has gripped everyone who has ever lived. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or is a threat. The mask of fear slides into our minds and in our spirits and it masquerades as concerns by using the words, what if? Here's what it looks like. Fear. What if I fail again? What if I actually succeed? What does that look like? I'm scared of that. I have no idea. What does that success mean? What if I lose my job? What if I'm alone for the rest of my life? What if I'm rejected once they know who I really am? What if I self-destruct again? What if something happens to me? What if something happens to my children, my grandchildren? What if something happens to my spouse? What if my parents die? This fear just grips us. The what ifs. We feel like we can't move forward. We can't move back. We let fear take over our thoughts and we chase it down every rabbit hole trying to figure out how we can stop it from happening. But truth is, is that you cannot stop life from happening. It's going to happen. If you want to stay holed up in your house because you don't want to go out because something bad can happen, Something bad can happen in your house. You can slip when you get out of the shower. Someone can break into your house. What if someone breaks into my house? What if my house catches on fire? The what ifs. Life happens. And we can't stop it from happening. And we have a hard time believing John 16, when Jesus says, I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. We don't believe that he's truly overcome the world because we are still hiding behind a mask of fear because all these bad things are happening in this world. I know people who are paralyzed in fear and will not leave their house 
because they're afraid something will happen to them. That's not life. That's not living. Jesus never said, hold yourself up in a cave and don't ever come out, and I'll see you on the heaven side. He said, go and feed my sheep. Go and love my people. In me, in me, you will have peace, not in this world and not in your own ability to do. Simply in Jesus. How do you get rid of the mask of fear? Well, you have to read your Bible. You have to quote it. But most importantly, you have to believe the word of God. You must make a choice if you're going to believe the word of God or not. I choose to believe it and break every, all the chains of fear that are holding me back by holding on to the word of God. Because I can tell you, if you don't make that choice, fear will make that choice for you. By not making the choice, you've made a choice. Those who don't want to give their heart to Jesus, well, I just don't want to do that right now. I think my life is going to change. And, you know, I kind of like it right now. So I'm just going to not make that decision. You made that decision. You've turned your back on Jesus is what you have. Here's some word of God to help you break chains of fear. Psalm 56, 3 through 4 says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust and faith in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not fear what can man do unto me. I've gone places. I've gone to certain prisons, gone to different places to minister, and Chuck will say, who's going with you? It's like, ain't nobody going with me. Babe, I want you, babe. It's just me and the Holy Ghost. Me and the Holy Ghost is going. So he knows when I say it's me and the Holy Ghost, he's like... All right, ain't nothing I'm going to say going to change your mind anyway. What can man do unto me? Psalm 118.6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? You want to kill me? Come on. Send me to glory. Send me on to glory where I can be on the spiritual side, on the supernatural side of things, working on that side. If I'm not working on... In, 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 for God in this earth, for his kingdom, then I'm going to do it on the other side. Amen? Romans 8, 15. You have not received the spirit of slaves that leads you into fear again. Instead, you have received the spirit of God's adopted, adopted children by which we call out Abba Father. So I'm asking you to take off your mask of fear with me. Let's take it off. Let's become bare before the Lord. God, I choose to believe your word, and I know you are consistent, and you help your people. You are not a far-off God, but you are right here with me, God. You will fight for me when I cannot fight. Lord, I will trust you, and I will no longer fear. I cry out, and I say, Abba, Father, take this mask of fear. It has held me in bondage. It has held me back. It has made my body sick, and at times it's paralyzed me. Forgive me for allowing fear to do that. Forgive me for not trusting you, my Father. Today I'm choosing to take off this mask and lay it at your feet, God. Give me the strength, Lord, to not only take off this mask of fear, to lay it at your feet, but to never pick it up again. In Jesus' name. 
as we progress in our walk with God. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. As we grow, in order to grow deeper with God, it requires us to take a more internal look and to begin to bear all. Right? Here's another aspect, another mask that we are going to have to take off, but you have to recognize it first. Because if you don't recognize it, you can't do anything about it. And this is the mask of vanity. The mask of vanity. It looks different for everyone, but it's the same. Vanity is the excessive pride in or admiration of one's own appearance or achievements. Vanity is the awareness of an inner sense of superiority. One of, its first, one of its first symptoms is to blind the individual to its presence. Another symptom is to increase our awareness of vanity in others. Have you ever said, oh, look at them. They are so vain. Takes one to know one. So vain. Vanity always requires an audience, even if it's only ourselves. It leads to self-justification with, with our false personalities trying to defend them as, high, as highly worthy. It prompts much of what we talk about with others and directs many of our own excessive actions and activities. It causes us to have an inflated and false sense of modesty, modesty and humility. Vanity, what does it look like in your life? Vanities is just for females. That's all that is. Mm. Is it really? How about this? Vanity speaks into our ears and we believe it when it says, I will not leave the house without looking the part. I have to look like I have it all together. I have to buy all the best brands because it's, the only, it's only the best for me. I'm not going to buy generic anything. I'm too good for that. I've got to have the latest of everything. I've got to have the latest fashion. I've got to have the latest technology. I've got to have the latest vehicles. Why? I've got to have the biggest TV of all my friends. <laughs> this side's for you, Matt, that side. <laughs> I've got to have it all. You can have it all. It's a lie. Don't believe the lie. Perhaps we've got to do this. Perhaps we have to redo our house. We've got to remodel it. We've got an add-on. Or better yet, let's just buy a whole brand new house because what we have is not good enough anymore. So for both men and women, a lot of times we will lower our standards and try to measure. We lower our standards to measure up. There's an oxymoron. We lower our standards to measure up to things that, to people, to others that we see, whether it's on social media, whether it's on the screen, or whether it's in magazines. We lower ourselves and think that if I can just look like them, then I will have the perfect life like they do. Right? We do that. All these new social influencers, well, I've got to do that because if I don't do that, then I'm not living the life. You don't see them when they can't sleep at night. 
You don't see them when they're taking pills to wake up and taking pills to go to sleep. You don't see their coping mechanisms that they do. You see the highlight, two to ten minute highlight, and that's it. So here's what happens. We think that we have to be perfect like them, so we get our bodies sculpted. We get our fat sucked out. We get our tummies tucked. We get eye lifts, chin lifts, boob jobs, butt jobs. We get Botox injected, injected to our brows and lips, and we get inflated hips until we look like a plastic human cat. <laughs> you ever looked at Dolly Parton? Y'all, I'm a Dolly fan, but that woman don't look like she used to. I love a Joyce Meyer, but, you know, I'm just saying. But here's what we do look like. We no longer look like the reflection of the creator himself, but a reflection of a selfish, conceited, fallen, and narcissistic, narcissistic society. That's what we begin to look like. Everybody starts to look the same. Everybody starts to look the same. Because they're looking at the same people to follow rather than looking at Jesus to follow. After emptying our bank accounts and running our credit cards up, paying hundreds and thousands of dollars just to keep up, to look the part. Just to look the part, guys. We still have that overwhelming sense of emptiness and worthlessness. We still have a void after buying everything to look the part. That's because there is no substance to a life of vanity. The only substance that will truly last is the word of God, and it's the word of God that will break the chains of vanity. Psalm 119.37 says, Turn my eyes away from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. 1 Samuel 16.7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on the appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on his heart. How many people have been passed over? How many anointed people have been passed over because they didn't look the part? And how many people who looked the part have been promoted just to lead people astray? God, help us to see. Proverbs 31, 30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman and a man who fears the Lord is to be praised. Psalm 36 and 9 says, You are the source of all life. Because of your light, we see the light. He is the light. He is the life. Let's remove the mask of vanity and step off the impossible will of trying to measure up to keep up with the Joneses. We're always trying to do that. It requires us just to lay it down. So Lord, help me to see me as you see me. Help me to be comfortable with just who I am the way you created me. Beneath all the false exterior and all the things that I buy and do is simply just what you gave me. The color of my hair has faded just a bit and gray seems to be taking over, but I'm okay with that. When my body begins to reveal a life long lived as gravity takes a hold, I choose to be okay with it. As a woman, beneath all the makeup, Lord, it's just me. Beneath all the skin products, the foundations, concealers, it's just me. 
It's me with the wrinkles and the spots and the blemishes. Open my eyes to what truly matters to you. I realize it's not the boats and the cars and the houses or the donkeys or the goats or the chickens or the technology, Lord. It's just you. Just you. Open my eyes and allow me to see others as you see them. You don't look on the outward appearance, but you look at the hearts. Help me to see the real beauty in life in all of your creation. Honestly, Lord, I struggle with this, and I'm tired of trying. I'm trying to always look perfect, like I have a perfect life, be perfect, and say the perfect things. I'm flawed. I'm just flesh and bone. I don't know about you, but I mess up all the time. As I take off my mask of vanity, help me to see the real me that you created me to be. What you think is all that really matters anyhow. Turn my eyes from this world and help me to focus solely on you. Help me, Lord, to take off this mask of vanity and lay it at your feet. Help me to not pick it back up, God. As we're talking about vanity, it has a sister mask that we wear quite often as well. People think they're one and the same when they're not. Well, yeah, they are. No, they're not. It's deceptive. That's what the enemy likes to do. He's the great deceiver, right? Well, I don't have that issue. Okay. I don't wear that mask. Okay. I don't, but you do. I can help you remove that. This next one is the mask of pride. We have a mask of pride that we wear. Pride often is the feeling of a satisfaction as being superior to others. And it's a sense, in a sense, a delusional omnipotence, meaning it has an unlimited, that we have unlimited and great power. I have that over you. This misplaced pride deprives us of humility and an attitude that gives us kinship and an understanding of others in which essence, which is the essence of righteousness. We feel like we are righteous. We are more righteous. What we have become is a self-righteous person. I'm just going to leave it at that. When pride is directed outward, it can have the accomplice of vanity. When pride is turned inward, it can lead to shame. Excessive pride can lead to a narcissistic mentality. What does pride look like? Pride will yell at you and cause you not only to believe the things that it says, but makes you act on them. Pride says things like, I will not ask for help because it's beneath me. I will get that high-paying job, I'll make a lot of money, and I'll be somebody. You just watch. I'll take advantage of you to get what I want because I deserve it, because I'm better than you. People have this mentality. I've seen it all my life in the workplace. I'm going to step on you. I'm going to use you because you really don't need and you really don't have any, any added value in this organization. That's pride. I'm smarter than you. You're worthless without me. 
I'm better than you because my home is bigger and my cars are more expensive. How many people you know that are like that? How many people do you know that everything they talk about, ooh, everything that they talk about has a price tag added to it? Mm. This job, this family, this ministry is succeeding because of me. If I were to leave, it would all fall. It would all fall. I'm above the law and the rules don't apply to me. I don't need your help. I don't need anyone's help. I'll make a way. I can do it all, and I can do it all by myself. You just watch. But I'll tell you what happens is that when we are wearing the, uh, the mask of pride, it is exhausting because it causes you to reach further and go beyond your own energy that you have normally. It causes you to stay up and to do and to do. It drives. Pride will drive you and drive you and drive you until it drives you into the ground. How do we get rid of the mask of pride? So, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. It's exhausting. I'll do what I did for the other masks. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to quote your word. But more importantly, I'm going to believe your word. Galatians 6 and 3 says, For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Are you deceiving yourself? And if you are thinking of anyone else besides you right now, you might want to remove the mask of pride so you can read it clearly. Proverbs 18 and 12 says, Before the destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. King James says pride comes before the fall. It's not a matter of if you will fall. It's a matter of when you will fall. And it's going to be at the most inopportune time for you. And it's probably going to be in front of everyone that you have used in any situation. Psalm chapter 10, 3 through 4, it says, For the wicked boast of its desires of his soul, and the, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. And all his thoughts are, there is no God, because I am the God. I rule over wherever I go. That's the prideful and haughty spirit. Philippians 2 and 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others before yourself. Andrew Murray said, Pride must die in you, or nothing of heaven can live in you. It's got to die. At what point are we going to kill that pride in us? Because if you get bare before the Lord, he's going to require that. Because he can't use you until you give it all to him. So Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for thinking that I can do everything on my own. For thinking that I know it all and I can do it all by myself. I'm nothing without you. I can't even wake in the morning if you choose not to wake me. Lord, I know you always want the best for me. Teach me to want your best for my life. Teach me how to make sacrifices for others and to put their needs before mine. Teach me how to step back and lead others. Teach me how to wait so others can go first. Teach me, Lord, how to serve 
so others can live. Teach me, O God. Break this pride in my life and break me in your presence. As I take off this mask of pride and I lay it at the cross, God. Some things get too heavy to carry, Lord. I choose not to carry this pride anymore. Lord, I'm just going to lay it at the cross. Help me not to pick it back up again. Life goes on. And we soon realize that there is a mask that we have worn all of our lives. And it's the heaviest one to carry. And it's the hardest one to give up. And it is the mask of shame. We wear this mask of shame, some knowingly and some unknowingly. We wear it. Shame is more than a remorse for an act, a regret, or a feeling of responsibility. It is an internalized disgrace, humiliation, and degradation of one's self. Shame is the inner experience of not being wanted. It is the feeling of worthlessness, rejected, and being cast out. Shame is believing that one is bad. Shame is believing that one is not loved because one is not lovable. Shame always carries with it a sense that there is nothing one can do to purge its burdensome and toxic presence and cannot be remedied, but it must be somehow endured. It has to be absorbed or denied. Shame is so painful, so debilitating, that we develop a thousand strategies, coping strategies, conscious and unconscious, numbing and destructive, different ways to avoid its torture. But here's what shame does. Shame reaches into your past, scrutinizing everything you have done wrong and the things that were done to you. That's what shame does. And it raises its ugly, crooked finger and it shouts at you. We believe it. Shame says, you've always been different. Look at you. You don't fit in. You're too big, you're too skinny, you're too tall, you're too short. You just don't fit in. Shame on you. You always mess things up. Why? You always mess it up. You should have done it this way. You never get it right. The abuse that you went through, it was your fault. You deserved it. You deserved to be hit, to be yelled because you were not good enough. You deserved to be molested as a child because you had to be taught what to do when you got older. You were assaulted as a child because you deserved it. You shouldn't have worn those clothes. You shouldn't have looked like that at 10 years old. Shame on you. Shame. Drinking and drugging. Yeah, that's the only life you'll ever have. It's the only life you ever deserve. You don't deserve anything good. Just sit back and wait for the other shoe to drop. 
Things going too good right now? Just wait. You're going to mess it up like you always do. Who would want you? After all, you're just used goods. You're broken. You're dirty. You're secondhand. People don't want that. They left you because you weren't good enough. Your children have issues because you failed as a parent. You never have been and you'll never be good enough. Shame on you. These words echo in our ears and in our hearts. You'll never, you'll never accomplish that dream. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. Sometimes we just have to say, shut up in my head. But we allow that to override the word of God. This mask filters how we look at ourselves and how we look at life. Shame filters into every aspect of our lives and taints our views of everything. Everything. I could go, I don't even have enough time to go into the different areas that shames, that the roots of shame dive down and they grab a hold of you. And it directs your life rather than the word and God directing your life. We're directed by our shame. It's like the rudder of our life. You're going to go this way. Oh, you're wanting to go that way? No. Look what you've done. You don't deserve it. We're going to turn you to go this way. This is the only life you deserve. So the rudder of shame removes you from your destiny once again. We wear the mask of oppression because we think that we have to. We think it's just something that we have to live with. I know the word of God sets people free, but that's just for some people. It's not for me because I'm not worthy of the freedom that Jesus paid. I'm not worthy of the blood that he shed on the cross. I'm not worthy of it. His blood ran for me. His back was beaten and bruised and skin and flesh was ripped from his back for me. But I still don't deserve to be free from the shame. But his blood ran from the top of the cross down to the bottom. And now it runs through eternity to meet us where we are in the midst of our life, in the midst of our shame. His blood was enough. Romans 8 and 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who believe in him as their personal Lord and Savior. Isaiah 54 and 4 says, Fear not, for, I, for you will not be put to shame. You will not feel humiliated. You will not be a disgrace. Do you believe the word of God? I was a disgrace to my family. You will not be disgraced. But you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. 2 Timothy 1 and 12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of my life. I'm not of the shame. I'm not ashamed of the things that I've been through. I'm not ashamed of things that have happened to me. 
but I give them all up for the glory of God that he might be glorified in all things, as the word says. In all things. I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Until the day I see my Savior face to face. Until the day I say, God, I tried to lay it all down. I tried to bear it all, God. I tried to be as real as I could possibly be. Father, I've been transparent with the things that I'm going through to help someone else, God, to help them in their walk. I know you have kept these things. You have kept every tear that I have shed. You know how many hairs are on my head. I need you right now. I'm the one saying, it's me who needs deliverance from the oppression of shame. There are dark places inside of me that I'm so ashamed of, God. There are memories and circumstances, and the scars are unspeakable. Lord, as I come before you, heal my broken places. Help me not only to feel, but be whole. Bring me into the light of your knowledge and knowing that I was created perfect in your sight and that I am a good and pleasing child of God. I ask you to break the chains of shame and release me into the newness of life that is only found in you. I'm asking you to heal my mind, to give me the mind of Christ that I may be able to put all these thoughts, all these memories, all these happenings and situations in their rightful place under the blood and in submission to your word. As I take off this mask of shame, I declare victory over my past and I begin again, refreshed and renewed by your love and by your unconditional acceptance of me, God. Help me, Father, to remove the shame that I have lived with. I choose to be transparent before you, God. The shame of the choices that I've made through my life, the wrong choices, God. I have shame of them. The lifestyle which I'm living, God, I have shame. Help me to become transparent before you, Lord. Help me to take off this mask and just be who you created me to be, Lord. Help me, God. Help me. Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. What more can I say? What more can I say? <laughs> we could talk about many different masks. But what more can I say? I don't have enough time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Through faith, they had conquered kingdoms did what God approved and received what God had promised. They shut the mouth of lions, putting out raging fires and escaped death. They found strength when they were weak. They were powerful in battle and defeated other armies. Women's received their loved ones back from the dead. Other believers were brutally tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain eternal life. Some were made fun of and whipped. Some were chained and put in prison. Some were stoned to death, sawed in half, 
and killed with swords. Some wore the skins of sheep and goats. Some were poor, abused, and mistreated. The world didn't deserve these good people. Some wandered around in the deserts and mountains and lived in caves and in holes in the ground. What do you live in? What do you live in? We think we have it so hard. You don't live in the hole in the ground or a hole in a rock. All these people were known for their faith. May we be a people known for our faith. But none of them received what God had promised. God had planned to give us something very special so that we would gain eternal life with them. Please stand with me. We're moving closer to God and becoming who he wants us to be. Sometimes we don't realize that in order for that to happen, we truly have to lay everything at his feet. It's about laying down our old self and becoming completely transparent with the Father. He knows your thoughts and the intent of your thoughts. There is no longer any need to wear a mask of any kind. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in and joined to him by faith. As a Savior, he is a new creature, reborn, renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, all things become new because spiritual awakening brings new life. I pray that your spirit has been awakened today. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, and it says, Do not remember the former things. Do not remember the old things that, where you failed and where the enemy tries to bring them back to you. Don't remember them anymore. Do not remember the former things or ponder the things of the past. Listen carefully. I am about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Would you not be aware of it? I hear the Lord talking to us and I hear him saying, I am calling you to a higher place than you have ever been. Are you ready? Are you ready to connect with me and my purposes I have set before you? I want to bless you abundantly beyond anything imaginable. I want you to have the victory over the things that have hindered you in your past. I want to bring you forth into the glory of my blessings in this specific time. O oh, Zerubbabel, O oh, Esther. You were created for such a time as this. It's time for you to become what I've called you to be. It's time for you to know me as I am. It's time for you to learn who I am. You have the promise of my word. Embrace it as I embrace you. Y'all, it's time. It's time to take off the old mask and be transparent before him. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come. It's time to take off the mask of fear, of vanity, pride, and shame. It's time. It's time to be transparent. 
freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.